when I think of my first memory, it is actually in a park back in Taiwan. It's a giant memorial park, and I just remember my parents taking me there. And I was little, and I was running around, and there's just flowers everywhere. And I remember having to climb this giant staircase to the memorial. However, I just want to bring that back too, because thinking back to that memory, I also wonder if I remember that memory because of the photographs of myself that I see in albums, or like when my parents tell me about that day, right? So like. I feel like I remember it very vividly. I remember the flowers. I remember like running up the stairs. But at the same time, like, is it just something I remember because of what I've seen, what I've been told? And I feel like all our memories that way, right? Like sometimes you feel like you remember something so well, but it might be already altered from like stories or the retelling of it, or or just that one photo you have that you keep revisiting. Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. Okay. Imagine for a moment that you are about to pack up and move. You're leaving the warm nest of family to go it alone in a new world. Yeesh, scary. I didn't even have to go it alone when I went to college. I just followed you, but it was still kind of scary, even in Iowa. But that was before everybody had a cell phone in their pocket. Today, going it alone seems like no big deal, right? Now we can stay connected with constant text messaging or nightly video chats. I guess that would ease the dread of moving away. But I can't help but wonder: even though we are so connected through technology, is something missing? Ah, you mean can the tech only provide a superficial connection? Exactly. And today's guest, Kathy Liao, whose family is spread out all over the globe, acknowledges that struggle of staying connected through her collages and paintings. Looking at Kathy's work, you start to feel like you know her whole family. In her vast studio space near downtown Kansas City, Kathy surrounds herself with her artwork of loved ones. Her mom watching TV, her dad by the pool. She even recreates Skype screenshots of her grandmother. Through her art, she reexamines the digital connections she has with her family and how they can make you feel simultaneously closer. And further away. In a similar manner, seeing Kathy's work online, like most artwork, isn't as impactful as seeing it in person. It wasn't until Kathy gave us a tour of her space that I could truly appreciate her piece titled "Without," a massive floor-to-ceiling collage painting of her sleeping parents and grandmother. Suddenly, I could truly grasp the vast scale of the piece and the layers of detail and color. Again, it comes back to that gap that happens when you only see something via technology. Whether you are spending time with family or a piece of art, unless you are physically in the room together, there will always be a certain level of distance to the experience. I just want to interject here that our Patreon members will get a special audio treat of Kathy telling us more about her piece without. Again, it isn't the same as getting to experience it personally, but it's still enjoyable. Now let's move on and get started with Kathy's story. So I grew up in Taiwan, and I came here when I was about middle school. So before that, when I was in Taiwan, I was a pretty studious student. I just studied, and、uh, my parents wanted me to go to med school. I've always liked to draw. I remember、um, even back in like kindergarten and first grade, second grade, I would always enter in competition at the schools and win like little ribbons and stuff. But it's always kind of been my hobby. I think I've always thought it would be just be my hobby. And when I Came to the United States. I came here for 
uh, middle school and high school. That's when I started taking art classes at high school. And all the teachers are always encouraging me, you know, you got to apply for art school. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I got really into, this is kind of funny. I got really into drawing comic books. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be an animator one day and I'm going to do all these things. I think that's the thing about culture back in Taiwan and here. I felt like when I was, when I moved here, going to school opened up more possibility. I felt like I could do anything. But when I was in Taiwan, I felt like, okay, this is what my parents want to do. This is what everyone else is doing. And this is what I'm, you know, this is what I will end up doing. And I think moving to America and going through high school here in America actually does, did allow me to start thinking about the possibility of becoming an artist. That actually didn't happen until pretty much I was done in college. So I took a huge detour. When I went to college, I went to University of Washington because that's where my parents wanted me to go. But then when I was there, as I was working on my pre-med degree, I started taking art classes, you know, on the side just for fun. I ended up with like a, um, a side degree of, in art while finishing up a degree in psychology. You know, at that point, thinking about applying for medical school, thinking about like writing a personal statement to apply for medical school. I'm like, I can't do this. Like there's, there's no reason. I can't think of an essay, something to write about why I wanted to go to medical school, right? So that's when I decided to go back and get another degree in painting and drawing. I think that distance make a huge difference, right? Like I think I feel that distance really sharply because I still think Taiwan as one of my home that I can go back to. And it's really, really far away. My mom, my dad, my grandma, they've lived there. My dad already passed away, but my mom, my grandma lived there. So I feel like the further I moved away to Kansas City, to, you know, away from the coast, I feel really, really far away from them. So since I am so far away, I find it more convenient to communicate with them through FaceTime, like video chatting technology or calling them. My grandma, she's in her 90s now. She can barely hear me through the telephone. I try to talk to her in the telephone, but sometimes I just feel like I'm yelling into this little, you know, this box and she can't hear me. So I, I'm so grateful to be able to talk to her. You know, via the video chatting technology. I can see her face. She can see my face. Most of the time she's really confused with that because she would see me, but then half the time I only see her below her chin or I only see like different parts of her body or she would be looking somewhere else, right? But at the same time, I'm just glad to be able to see her. And for me, it's also interesting to see, like whenever she, we call each other almost, well, my mom calls me. My grandma doesn't know how to use FaceTime, but my, my mom would call me. And then, so I will see her like every couple days or sometimes once a week. And because she is so far away, it's interesting to see the transformation in her, right? She's, she has dementia, so she's forgetting a lot of stuff. And you see her, you know, hair gets, you know, wider and less and less, and she shrinks more and more. And, and that does, that makes me feel really sad, but I'm just so happy to be able to connect with her. But at the same time, I also know that it's not a substitute for physically being there, right? So I'm still constantly reminding myself, like, okay, I got to fly there. I got to go visit her in person. Though selfies are ubiquitous these days, the current obsession with capturing one's own image certainly isn't anything new. It's just been made far easier. Self-portraits by painters really took hold in Renaissance times and continued until the advent of photography. Then, as now, the self-portraits were created for a variety of reasons. As a form of storytelling, as an advertisement, or just as a way to record a moment in time. 
I've been working on cell porches since undergrad, and then I've been doing them almost on a yearly, almost yearly basis. So, for me, that's almost a way for me to ground myself to record the moment in time. I think about like Rembrandt and his portraits. Like he's painted portrait all throughout his life. I'm not saying that I'm anywhere close to Rembrandt, but I feel like that does help me um, bring me back to here and now. I feel like a lot of my work is taking me back to you know my childhood, to my、um, family time back in California, to Taiwan, to my dad. But the cell portraits allows me to remind myself I'm still here. This is where I am, right? So I'm not always like swimming in memories.、Mm-hmm. That also helps me in terms of since I've been moving so much from LA to Seattle to Boston now to Kansas City, and even here in Kansas City, I moved quite a few studios. When I work on these cell portraits, it also allows me to kind of get familiar with a new space. It's always kind of my jumping-off point into a new space, and I love it. Like I just finished one here. And it took me about what seven months. I've been here since January to finish this piece, and now I feel like this space is home. This feel this space feels comfortable. I know you know the structure. You know I've painted it for like seven months, and it feels right. It feels now. That's the big one. That's usually the first one. I always get started set up for a portrait for a self portrait that I work on, but. Each space is different, right? So,、um, like I mentioned before, I had a small studio space when I first moved to Kansas City. It's just in a laundry room.、So、most of my stuff is tiny and small, and my little my little ritual will be, you know, paint small pieces of color paper and then start making collage out of them. Here, on the other hand, when I first moved into this studio space, just because of sheer Amount of wall space. My instinct is I want to cover these wall space.、So、I made a giant collage that is the size of that wall. I don't know even how big that is. Like maybe, well, the piece turned out to be 160 something inches and by 120 inches long. So I, that was my ritual every day. I come and just you know, like I'm going to do more on this piece. I'm going to let it grow to cover the entire wall space. And so that became my ritual for this space. Now that piece is done, I think I'm ready to move on to a different one. But we'll see. So, if your next studio was small, would it be hard for you to go back to the smaller pieces?、Um, that's a good question, because I am gonna, <laughs> I will miss the space quite a bit. This space allowed me to grow. It really depends. I felt like a lot of the work I did when I was in a smaller space becomes seeds to a lot of the work I'm working on right now. So, I think if I do end up in a smaller space, it's not gonna. I, I don't think I'm gonna. Feel like I'm trapped or anything. I felt like I would just go in a different direction where everything I make hopefully will evolve when the space change, right? And I think that comes out of prior to getting studios in these、uh, the studio spaces here. I went on quite a few residencies around the country, so I would go out to like Vermont Studio Center or、um, Gentel residency out in Wyoming, and those residencies are usually a month long. Right, so I kind of have to learn to like. Okay, if I have the space for a month, and this is the space I have, what can I make to be most productive that allows me to keep taking this work and continuing to build beyond this time and this space? Right, so I want it to be organic. I don't want to feel like I have to have a certain space to make the work I do. But having the space allow the work to grow into the direction they go. Now, when you do like a month long residency.、Mm-hmm. Is there a pressure of producing something while you're out there, or do you just let it flow out? Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I want to say like, oh, I'm much more relaxed. And I just know, I think because I'm an educator too. So nine months out of my, out of the year, I am busy, 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 busy with schoolwork. So anytime I have for myself, like one month where I can just wake up at seven o'clock, go to the studio and make work until I pass out, you know, and then I, oh, that's like the best thing ever. So yes, there is, I think there is a huge pressure for me to make work, but it's not like a, a type of pressure that makes you feel paralyzed. It's just more like, oh yes, this is my time. This is my freedom. This is the time I can just make as much as I, I want, right? So I think it's a different type of pressure. We visited Kathy in her studio, a large, bright space filled with paintings and plants. In one corner, woodblock prints covered the walls, a study for a painting of Kathy's grandmother. This series of prints, which you can see on our website, helloatelier.org, highlights the layering technique Kathy uses. In each subsequent print, details are added, building to the final image, which is then used as a guide for the painting. Looking at the prints, I could imagine Kathy engrossed in the work, carving and printing, focused on nothing but building that image. We asked her if she ever found herself in that magical creative spot, commonly known as the zone, when time slips away as you're completely focused on the task at hand. Yes, yeah, I love that. I love that. It doesn't always happen, and I'm always striving for it, but when I'm making prints, like that act of carving, it really does remind me back to when I'm like sanding or scraping paint or something like that. That does get me into the zone. And a lot of times I come in here at like eight o'clock in the morning, start making that wood cut. And before you know, it, it's already five in the afternoon. So that zone does happen and it happens with all my work, whether it's painting, printmaking, ceramic pieces, but it takes, it does take a lot to get there I don't know if that makes sense like I I feel like a lot of times in the studios I end up just sitting and staring at the piece or I would like do some busy work until I get to where I need to go but when you're there it's incredible um, with collage I actually I feel like I get into that zone very readily because it is almost mindless in some ways like I would I have all these papers scattered everywhere you saw kind of my setup there like I would have all these color papers scattered everywhere and it's just almost like sifting through chaos and like choosing and picking and I'm responding like one color shape next to another so it's very easy to get into that zone because sometimes in the painting I almost get too inside my head almost to get too analytical with what I'm putting down what color I'm mixing and and my painting stopped me short a lot. So I have to like step back and think and look at it so much before I put down one mark. And then I step back and look and think and you know, like I do that quite a bit in my painting nowadays. And so I'm always finding ways to break that and to find a different way of entering back into my painting. So collage is actually one of the ways where I can just like start doing things, start piecing together. It's like puzzle pieces, building, painting, building, building painting, and then painting yeah painting is hard <laughs> and I love it I love making collage because it kind of makes me feel like a child again right just cutting and pasting and tearing and gluing so that's something I love to do and it's a great way for me to think through 
the imagery. So a lot of my images are either from a memory, something that I remember and I held on to. I'm like, okay, I got to get this image out of my head. It's stuck in my head or it's based off of maybe a snapshot or a photo. And then so those are the jumping out points. Um, sometimes I do dive directly into a painting, but lately I have been going back into creating these collages, creating these drawings as a starting point. It allows me to think through the texture, think through the mark I want to put down to kind of convey this, this imagery. It allows me to think through colors too. With collage, I can pick and choose. The collage pieces are my palette, right? With painting, I had to like, okay, I got to mix these set of paint. I got to, you know, figure out what color I'm using. But with a collage, whatever paper I have or whatever paper I created or whatever, you know, materials I find, those are my palette. And I love allowing that to come together to create something. I love color. So, and it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's my, my studio is full of color. So I do love working with color, um, but I do go through these phases. So I would go through a period of working with mostly just black and white, just drawing. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I got to go back, go back into color. So it kind of it, it goes through these waves. For me, like I mentioned before with the collage, like I love working with color through collage, just to kind of figure out the palette I'm working with. But at the same time, I love layering colors too. In my past work, like when I'm working mostly with collage into painting, the work gets pretty thick, really build up because I'm making changes to color, building up color as I go and everything is laid down thickly. Lately, I'm really fascinated when the light comes through, illuminate from the painting itself. So as I'm working on this collage and I, when I carry it into the painting, I can think about building the painting in much thinner layers and allowing the light to come through the image itself. Experimentation is a key component of creativity. Our brains need to be pushed and challenged. And what better way than trying a new technique that makes us think on a whole different level? For instance... If you are a fiber artist, why not take a ceramics class? Or, if you are a large-scale sculptor, try a series of miniature paintings. Who knows what you will discover? For Kathy, a printmaking class opened up a new creative world for her, and it changed the way she approached her painting process. I was completely captured by the process of printmaking. Like I mentioned before, my earlier paintings, just, a lot of it is like building up, building up, building up, right? Like it, my paint, my marks are really thick and heavy. And it's, as I'm building out the painting, it gets thicker and thicker. It's more of an additive process. Once I started doing printmaking, I realized that you can think about creating an image in a completely different way. You can create an image in light and thin layers. You can erase and subtract you can um, create different types of mark because when you're a painter you hold a brush and you make a mark and it's the, the the mark of a brush right when you're working with printmaking then you're working with the grain of the wood you're creating a mark that is cut out right you're creating a mark that's incised right those are all very very different a mark that's etched by acid it's like a very different kind of texture and feel and so that translates into uh, my painting after I started working with printmaking 
it also slowed my process down quite a bit too and as you can see i have so many paintings going on because i am a really fast painter i like dive in everything's gestural i paint really fast but printmaking allows me to slow down and for example, like right there with that piece there, it took me two weeks just to carve that um, wood block. So with each iteration, as I'm making the mark, as I'm carving around the figure, I'm thinking about, okay, where do I want the light to come from? What direction of the mark I want it to build up, right? So that's all kind of building into as I'm carving that block. So when I go to that painting, I don't have to go through that all that again, right? That's already built in. I've already done that. And it translates to my painting in a very different way. And I wish I had more time to learn everything in the world, but I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, ceramics is something I got into very recently. Um, I started teaching at Missouri Western State University, and they have a ceramics department. And the professor there, Dave, Dave Harris, allowed me to kind of go in there and play around. So that's kind of where I got started. And the reason that led me into the ceramic studio is because for a lot of my painting, I started working with glazes and building up layers and thin layers, and I really wanted the image to glow. And so thinking about working with glazes in, in ceramics, right, the way, you know, like if you pick up a beautifully done ceramic with the glaze, it really feels like the piece glows in its own, you know. So I think that's something that caught my interest. And I started playing with glazes and I started playing with painting on ceramic slabs to create, in some ways, an object both in printmaking and ceramics, since I think I'm more of a, I'm a painter painter. With both ceramics and printmaking, I make a lot of mistakes, right? So in some ways, I'm a beginner diving into these mediums. Um, I think of myself as like a little kid trying to learn something new. So a lot of mistakes happen. And what I love about that is when that mistake does happen, I feel like I'm at a place where I can recognize like this mistake can turn into something really interesting, right? And, and I, I would follow that path. And that's something that I feel like it's a little harder for me to experience as a painter because I felt like I've been doing it for so long and I just feel like you're so familiar. You have this muscle memory of doing things a certain way versus when it comes to ceramics and printmaking, I still stumble. I still, the plates still get burned or like the glaze still gets burned and crisp. Like those things still happens in the work. And that allows me to take a look at the piece again, see if I want to, redo it and do it properly or like maybe it just allow the mistake to be the mistake and keep following that path and see what happens i'm really drawn to telling a story for example if i'm making a piece about my mother watching tv or something like what does that moment feel like maybe even bring up like visual memories of that moment like what does the environment feel like is it warm is it cool am I uncomfortable? Am I happy? Am I like, right? Like those things, it's like the way I kind of brainstorm as I try to uh, work into my piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like as long as I'm putting in what I feel like is genuine, who I feel like is trying to represent what I'm feeling, then hopefully it'll come through on the other end to the audience. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Kathy Liao. Be sure to visit helloatelier.org, where you'll find photos from our visit to Kathy's studio, along with links to her work. Hello Atelier is produced by Phonicalia Media. If you love our show, you can help support us on Patreon with a small donation that helps keep us sponsor-free. Or simply rate, review, or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. 
Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day. <laughs>